Hello, Peepsy Pals. A quick disclaimer before we begin our episode today. This will be the last episode of the year, but don't worry, we will be returning in January with chapter eight. So everybody, happy holidays and happy new year. Welcome to Peeves' Gap Fest, a chapter-by-chapter page-to-screen analysis of the Harry Potter series. I'm Sarah Day. I'm James. And I'm Meigs. And today we are discussing some feedback. We still may be using our vast knowledge of the wizarding world to compare the page to the screen, and we may gab about moments that happen later in the books or the films. So you've been warned, Icklefirsties. Spoilers lie ahead. Before we begin, a message from the Daily Prophet. No one wants to wait hours for a potion to brew. Ditch the cauldron and order a BlendJet 2 portable blender today. Sure to get you invited to Slughorn's parties, the BlendJet 2 makes blending so easy and convenient. BlendJet 2 is portable, so you can blend up your potions even while riding a broomstick. It's small enough to fit in your cloak, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like frozen fruit and lacewing flies with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning potion without waking up the whole common room. Lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. That, that's a muggle contraption. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. I really want to get the black one and add the Hufflepuff logo. Yes. Yeah. And I want a blue one so that it'll match, well, Ravenclaw, but also my kitchen counters. <laughs> <laughs> That's like super important. It's got to yeah. match the ki- kitchen counters. It's nice and convenient if that can happen. Black goes with anything. So I think I'm good. Yeah, it's true. Well, what are you waiting for? Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today. And be sure to use the promo code GABFEST12 to get 12% off your order and two free day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the Blendjet 2 portable blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code GABFEST12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Welcome back, listeners. I'm going to start us off with a five-star review and two new patrons, Sharon and Kelly. Thank you so much. Yay. The five-star review, Colton Smith on Apple Podcasts says, this show is something I have always wanted with my favorite book series. They are getting down to the fine details of the differences between the movies and the books while discussing what should happen in the series. As someone who has reread the books, listened to the audiobooks, and religiously watched all the movies every year, 
This is the perfect way to highlight those differences in a fun way with great hosts. Oh, yeah. Why, thank you, Colton. Thank you. Thank you. That's amazing. (laughs) And we're getting into the fine details. Like, fine, fine. (laughs) Like, we're digging deep (laughs) for all those things. We want everything. It's true. Thank you, Colton. That's exactly what we're going for. So that's good to know (laughs) that it's working for people. All right. Well, we have a feedback or comment on Facebook from Diane. So Diane says, I was listening to the October 11th podcast and realized this term just gets this team, sorry, just gets better and better, smoother and smoother. You're also charming, sweet, knowledgeable and opinionated. As an older listener, I do wonder if you know all the history of some of the older actors and their huge successes before Harry Potter. Of course, everyone now knows of Dame Maggie Smith's successes. But for instance, the loathsome Vernon Dursley. Does everyone know in 2008 for his performance in the stage play The History Boys? Griffiths won the Tony Award for Best Actor in a Play and Lawrence Oliver Award. Oh, sorry. I don't know how to pronounce that. I don't think it's Oliver. Yeah, I think that's Somebody Oliver. Somebody else knows what I'm saying. Um, for Best Actor in a Play. Was oh, it Oliver? Film adaptation. What? Is it Oliver? Um, probably. I trust you. I trust everyone else who knows how to pronounce it. Um, for the 2006 film adaptation, Griffiths was nominated for the BAFTA Award for Best Actor in a Leading Role. Almost every actor, major and minor, has a rich history. Even Francis de la Tour performed as Mrs. Lintot in the play The History Boys in London and on Broadway, winning the 2006 Tony Award for Best Featured Actress in a Play. She reprised the role in the 2006 film. Her other film roles include Madame Olympe Maxime in Harry Potter and The Goblet of Fire. Those details and the ones you all discussed are the real magic of Harry Potter and your podcast. Thanks for all of that. <laughs> that is a lot of information. <laughs> but well, I love it. I mean, we I don't know. Um, I didn't know any of that. I mean, I knew that a lot of them, like after the movies were coming out and as I grew a little bit older, mm-hmm. since I was a kid when they came out, I started to learn that, yeah, like all of those actors and actresses in the films, you know, are experienced people who have been <laughs> doing this for a long time. But when I was, you know, nine, when the first movie came out, I definitely didn't know, especially because, you know, we're also American. So we, we definitely don't know what the um, mm-hmm. the his unless unless you actively are watching things that are from the UK, you don't just kind of naturally know um, the history of these actors and actresses. So I didn't know any of it. Um, so thank you for bringing all of this up. So the first thing I saw Richard Griffiths in at, outside of Harry Potter was I. Th- think around 2008-ish, maybe. Um, he was in a movie called Ballet Shoes with Emma Watson. Oh. And uh, he played an interesting role in that role. And that was kind of like when I was just like, whoa, that's so cool. Um, and that's when I kind of realized that there's a lot of other actors out there that in the Harry Potter series that played in other things and just these these not very popular movies or like these big outstanding movies like i found out alan rickman played in galaxy quest which is kind of like a little spin-off of star trek uh that kind of makes fun of uh, of star trek a little bit it's like a spoof mm-hmm. uh and alan rickman plays um a care uh, the care a character in there that's just 
got some he he's he's got that serious Alan Rickman charm. So it, it he's he's got that seriousness, but he's also doing a very good job playing the comedic vibe of it because it's a super hilarious show. <laughs> and like so you're basically I'm looking at the face of Snape doing all these funny things in this movie and I'm just like wow that's so unique and crazy and it just like got me excited about uh about like actors going into other movies and that's when i kind of first started loving to watch movies just because an actor was in it uh was because of the harry potter uh actors because they were so well versed and they went into a bunch of other other stuff it made me excited to kind of just watch something because they were in it and I'd be like, Oh, they're in it. Let me try and check it out. And then I would broaden my horizons with all these like cool little movies that almost no one's ever heard of. Diane's my mom. So I, yeah, I, I knew about those oh. people. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I heard this trivia growing Thank up. You, Diane. <laughs> yeah. Thanks mom. Um, <laughs> I remember when chamber of secrets came out um, and you know, they revealed Gildory Lockhart. I remember as a little 11, 12 year old, I was like, oh, he's he's not that cute. And um, my mom was like, oh, that's Kenneth Branagh. Do you know who he is? And I'm like, no. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I love that. You should see the movie. Oh, what's it called? It's based off of a Shakespeare play. Ah, oh, but it's got Kenneth Branagh in it with Emma Thompson, so it's basically Professor Tarani and Professor Gilroy Lockhart together playing the main leads in a romantic relationship. It's kind of funny because you can definitely tell it's them, but it's just like they're playing two different, completely different roles. But it's like hilarious. It's one of uh, Shakespeare's comedies. I just can't remember what it's called. Yep. So Sharon on Facebook said. In quotations, irrational complaint incoming about the latest episode. All in good fun. Mm -hmm. So just know that's how it's being played. Y'all, how did not one of you, when reading this definition of rook, defraud, overcharge, or swindle someone, uh, none of you made a connection to crook? I was screaming. Y'all read the definition multiple times, too. I was like, that is literally what a crook does. Crook, rook, crook. Ah! <laughs> For the record, I have no idea if that's how crook came to be. It it just made me irrationally angry that no one else had had this thought. Love y'all. Can't wait to start book two. That's funny. Well, I wish that we had had a clever thought like that as well. I think we were also <laughs> completely floored. Trying to just figure out the information to begin with. We didn't have time to be clever. <laughs> well, I mean, the fact that we, <laughs> the fact that we went into the definition of Rook to begin with <laughs> in an episode of Harry Potter is just kind of funny in a, in, in a hilarious sense. But yeah, that was a fun conversation. Just goes to show you that there's more stuff out there. I can't wait to see what other definitions we're going to get into as the series goes on. Agreed. Yeah, because there's definitely going to be a lot more. <laughs> Courtney on Facebook said, can I just say I'm enjoying the conversation so much. The podcast feels like I'm sitting around a fire in the common room chatting with friends. Yes, I do talk out loud to you three while I'm listening. 
thank you. Exactly what we're going for. <laughs> um, I know. know. That's so great. Sitting around a fire in the common room with, yeah. with peeps, gabbing the night away. Oh, I Good love that peeps. so much. I guess that was more of a review than a, a than a feedback, but I, I kept it on there. <laughs> Whatever. I hope everybody gets feel that good. feeling. Yeah. Commentary from our listeners. All right. Next, we have Emmett on Facebook. Emmett says, since the next episode is going to be about fan casts, I just wanted to post a few thoughts that I had. Okay, this was this was a um, from when we did the fan casting for the Sorcerer's Stone just... Um, FYI for the people listening right now. Um, Emmett said, do you have an LGBTQ plus actor in mind when it comes to casting Dumbledore? I think it would be a pretty cool direction to go. Also, I'd love to see Jim Dale and or Stephen Fry get a cameo in some way. I didn't Agreed. think about Jim Dale or Stephen Fry as cameos because I knew that we talked about not having any of the actors as cameos, but I do like the mm. idea of Jim and Stephen and I don't know, maybe they could be house elves or maybe they could be um, I don't ghosts or something fun. What what if Jim Dale and Stephen Fry played like Nicholas, um, head, nearly headless Nick, and the Fat Friar. I Jim Dale is eighty eight, so I don't know that he could be um, the, the a ghost that's in it for a decade. Um, but I, like I said, I wouldn't mind them having some sort of kid, or maybe even just the, the wizards that greet Harry in the Leaky Cauldron. I could see that. Mm-hmm. Definitely, that's what I was thinking too. And then as far as LGBTQ, but I don't think any of us actually, our, our Dumbledores were LGBTQ, but that's a really great idea um, to be inclusive of Dumbledore's past. I wouldn't if they went in that direction because Fantastic Beasts, when it was still a thing, that's obviously the direction that they were planning to go with the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, not, I mean, not because Jude Law falls into that you know, category, but, uh, you know, just because that is part of Dumbledore's character. And so they obviously were not afraid of shying away from that. And so I think that um, I, I just wouldn't be surprised if they ended up casting an LGBTQ plus actor. Yeah. Well, I mean, role. I think, I think it might just come down to mindset because we didn't have the mindset about that when we were first doing it. And I think it's just because it wasn't, uh, it wasn't like a defining characteristic for us to to like base our choices off of. Like we weren't thinking about that at all. We were just thinking about who's the best to put it in. If that's you know, if that's a thing where the actor is from that community and and is playing Dumbledore, I think that might just be a bonus. Mm-hmm. But in the end, I think it, I think what we were focusing and what we want is just the act an actor who can play the role the most authentically they can with no regards to who they are, what they believe in, where they come from, or even like the color of their skin. Like the fact that we have to talk about that is still bothering me to this day, but. Unfortunately, we, we, we have to talk about it just because there have been so many people who um, people in positions of power who have abused their position of power and, um, and not, 
casted people who would be right for a part because of mm-hmm. some type of minority that they would fit into. And so um, it's, it is unfortunate that we, that it even has to be part of the discussion, but it's just because there are so many people who have chosen to, you know, abuse their privilege and their power that they do have. And of course, for us, we were not, I think anybody who listens to us knows that we weren't, um, you know, nobody intentionally was choosing, you know, one way or the other for how somebody would fit into some type of category. But, um, but it would be great if there was somebody who um, tried out for the role who would be a great Dumbledore and also as a bonus. Yeah you know, was gay or... Well, and I don't or, know that you know, in some ways. this Dumbledore yeah. necessarily... We I don't know if, if this series, the Harry Potter seven seasons, needs to go into the past more so than it does in that final book. Um, but like I said, I've said it on the podcast before, I am so gutted that we're not getting the rest of the Fantastic Beast movies only because... I want to oh. see that final duel yeah. between Dumbledore and um, Gilder. Oh my gosh, I can't say his name right. I want to say Gilderoy <laughs> uh, Grindelwald um, because of that history that they have and that love that they had for each other. And it was going to be those two actors, Jude Law, and whether or not it was going to be um, Johnny Depp or. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen was cast afterwards. They both, all those actors would have knocked it out of the park. Um, So even if we don't get that in the series that we're getting, hopefully soon, uh, now that the writers and the actor strikes are over, I want to see a spinoff of some sort with that history of Dumbledore. Um, So that would be the perfect time to cast the LGBTQ plus member. Um, when we actually dive into that story of Dumbledore. Yes, totally. Uh, it is very much a travesty mm-hmm. that we didn't get to finish those movies. Cause I hate a, I hate an ending or, right. or a, or a series that didn't end or doesn't get to continue or just like, doesn't get to finish. It's just so frustrating to know that they exist out there and they're probably never going to have the, the closure uh, that they need. They need to stop doing that to shows and and movies and all that stuff. So, Cameron on Facebook said, loving the latest episode on your ideas for the first season. To build off your ideas for the end credit scene, the end credit I have for the end of the season takes place at Malfoy Manor. Lucius is in the library for an office or an office staring at Tom Riddle's diary and speaks, I found it, my dark lord, or you shall rise again. Ends with him screaming for Dobby to bring him something such as food or something else, but we don't actually hear Dobby's name for some mystery. I like this idea of having this as a um as some type of scene. I think that they would be able to make it so that it's um, enough of a foreshadow so that it's like, ooh, what's going to happen? But then also not give it away for the people who haven't, you know, read the second book. I like everything up until You Shall Rise Again. Um, Just not even seeing Lucius' face. Um, And I don't think we should have any house elf stuff because um, that's kind of the reveal at the end of the book is that Dobby belongs to the Malfoys. So we, I don't even think we should see that Lucius house has a house elf. Yeah. 
but to have like an end credit scene with like the diary just kind of like tease the diary that's pretty cool thank you cameron good insight we're gonna have some great end credit scenes for season two i'm sure i just can't wait to see what the show looks like i'm so excited (laughs) (laughs) okay sharon on facebook said who hired lockhart i feel like they didn't check his references (laughs) <laughs> Although, with going through one Defense Against the Dark Arts professor a year, they might be running out of options. What does Molly do at home when all the kids are at school? Other than read Lockhart's books, of course. I'd like a miniseries on A Day in the Life of Molly Weasley. A little shorts like I Am Groot. Since Jenny is the last to go, this year is the first time she's all alone. It'd be interesting to see that. Do you ever... Do we ever see a howler again after this? I don't recall seeing any. You'd think a school full of kids, someone would be getting one often enough. (laughs) I don't think we see another one again. Maybe it happens, but just Harry doesn't. Because it's all through Harry's perspective. So maybe we see it, but we just don't. He's not paying attention to it. Meigs, if you have anything, go ahead, because I have something about the first point that I really want to get into that I'm super excited about that I'm glad she brought up. I just think that this is a fantastic idea. I would, I'm would, i I'm all about the spinoffs and... Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all are. Yeah, any other little thing like this that they can... Yeah, I, so I think that... Um, I think anybody who's a Harry Potter fan would love to see A Day in the Life of Molly Weasley. And um, yeah, so I don't know. I just, I think it's an absolutely wonderful idea. Cool. Anything else, Sarah? No, go ahead, James. Let us have it. Sharon and anybody else who's very well interested, pay attention. So I just got finished watching a two-hour YouTube video about Dumbledore's big plan. This is a theory slash analysis uh, by the Super Carlin Brothers. So if you're very interested in checking it out, go ahead and check it out there. Um, They did a seven-part video where they took each book and kind of analyzed and theorized about Dumbledore's whole plan and why he was doing things for certain reasons. And it's funny that you ask who hired Lockhart. Mm -hmm. It's Dumbledore who hired Lockhart for sure. Uh, but it falls all into this like big elaborate theory. And I'm not going to go into the giant theory because that's a lot of information. Two hours, but I'm like, I'm still reading about it because I literally just watched it today. And I'm still like, my blown my mind on how many things are like connecting and all this stuff. It's hilarious. But Lockhart was hired for the purpose to show Harry what fame does to people. And so he, Dumbledore hired Lockhart for a couple of reasons. And one of those reasons was because he knew he was a fake. So he was hoping to out that, that fake. He knew he was being, he, he was doing some stuff that he shouldn't be doing first off, but which is a whole other topic, but he really made in, in Dumbledore's big plan of sorts, Dumbledore, hired Lockhart for the purpose to show Harry what fame can do to people if it's not checked or put in line. Uh, And the whole theory, the whole analysis of Dumbledore's big plan is just this entire thing to get Harry ready to face off against Voldemort. And so hiring Lockhart was a sense, in a sense, a lesson that he didn't feel was going to be too harmful to all the other students 
because he wouldn't hire anybody purposefully to harm people. Um, <clears throat> but also would serve the purpose of helping build Harry to to be ready to face off against Voldemort and have the the things that he needed to be prepped as a as the person to be the complete opposite of what Voldemort is because you got to understand that Dumbledore had 12 years at this point knowing ahead of time about the prophecy and knowing how Harry has to be the one to take down Voldemort and all this other stuff and so he had 12 years to kind of figure out what he wanted to do. And as he's learning information and doing all these other things, it it was just he knew what he was getting himself into. He was like, Lockhart's going to serve a purpose, and that's the purpose it's going to serve. Yeah, his references aren't that great, but it was purposeful. He He planned the entire thing. It just goes to show you how deep Dumbledore went into everything. There's just a whole bunch of other stuff connected to it as well that just had me like riled up and just like oh my gosh that all makes all makes sense right now but uh there's just these little lessons that dumbledore's been trying to teach harry continuously up into the point uh of the last year when he's teaching him about horcruxes and how to defeat voldemort but even then like there's even stuff there too but that's so interesting because i mean i've always a thousand percent thought dumbledore had this master planned above and beyond what they spelled out for us in the last book. And to go back and, you know, do what we're doing and rereading and analyze all this stuff. I mean, the, these guys took it to a whole nother level, but I can totally see Dumbledore hiring this man specifically to show them, uh, to show Harry what fame can do to you. Yeah. It's totally believable. Any, any other normal person would have been like, why am I hiring this dude? Like, get him out of my school. He's not qualified to teach students. He can barely defend himself in, in a duel against Snape. He's not qualified to teach defense against the dark arts. But with that being said, they also mentioned how, and we were we, I, we were very close to figuring this out, but he meant, they mentioned how he was, how he purposefully set up the trials in book one for Harry to figure out. Because once you have the stone in the mirror and the spell was set up, so that Voldemort could never get his hands on it, Voldemort would have never gotten his hands on it. So why was everything else there? Well, Dumbledore apparently made it so that Harry could figure out this puzzle for himself because he wanted to see if Harry would go and face Voldemort, if he had the courage to, to face him. He wanted to test out Harry's character. And so he set up these traps through his faculty without telling them the purpose because they're not going to tell him he's not going to go hey eleven, mm -hmm. make these uh traps easy enough for 11 year old boy to figure out how to get through obviously they're just told to set up a trap but he knew he probably like suggested or like he helped plan these traps in a way to make it so that harry could go through it because it's not for voldemort it was never for voldemort it wasn't ever to stop voldemort from getting the stone because that was what the mirror was for it was so that harry could test himself and we were really close to figuring that out when we were like did dumbledore know and we were talking about how mm -hmm. dumbledore had meant or how harry had felt that dumbledore wanted to give him a chance and it was exactly that dumbledore wanted to give him a chance because he knew voldemort couldn't hurt harry without a body mm. so he knew that harry wasn't in any danger and he knew the stone wasn't in any danger so he just knew he wanted to give harry a chance to face voldemort and see what voldemort was for himself before he intervened in all that stuff 
I agree that he had this master plan, but I think he knew Harry was going to be in danger. <laughs> but I think he knew it was a, I mean, I think he had faith in Harry. But anyways, I thought it was really cool. We should all go check it. Like anybody who's listening, you should go check it out. If you have two hours to spare, like I did today. Um, <laughs> what is that called again, James? Uh, so the f- channel is called super Carlin brothers. They're these two guys who basically do like video film videos about film theories. It's on YouTube. Uh, They do like little film theories or they kind of uh, guess maybe what a show is about to do. They do film reviews, uh, book reviews, things like that. They're really fun to listen to. Uh, But the video specifically is Dumbledore's. um, Here, let me pull it up real quick so I can get it right. So people don't yell at me. And go, you told me the wrong video. Dumbledore's big plan, full story. So that's the full story. So it takes all seven parts and puts them together uh, so that you don't have to go searching for all all seven parts in their channel, um, which is why it accumulates to about two hours. That does sound fun. Maybe I will watch those uh, on our drive to Florida for Christmas. <laughs> so anyways, thank you for letting me geek out for a little bit, listeners. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, Karen, one of our patrons um, on Facebook, says the Hogwarts Express, two ponderings. The first is why there's only one pickup point for the students. So many students from all over the country or so students from all over the country have to go to London to catch the train. I know that they have magical methods to get there, but it still doesn't make sense. Also, I'm listening to um, talk on the latest episode. Maybe the train has some sort of enchantment on it so that it is invisible to muggles so it can travel to Hogwarts unnoticed. Okay, I'm going to pull up the Wizarding World entry on the Hogwarts Express and read this to you. Um, The Hogwarts Express was a scarlet steam engine that took students to Hogwarts on the 1st of September. The idea of a train came from the Minister for Magic at the time, Adeline Gamble, who was looking for a safer method for children to get to school as port keys could make students sick and the flu network was not fully secure. Much like a muggle train, um... Oh, that, that, you know, the rest of it is kind of just um, unneeded information. But uh, so I don't know if that's a great answer. I could have sworn they had talked about magic carpets at 1.2 back when Pottermore was a little bit more juicier of information than this. But hopefully that is a decent size or a decent answer for you and the rest of our listeners and <clears throat> who's to say that everybody takes the train i think it maybe is. there's just well, a whole bunch of people in the southern area of london that have to take the train to get to hogwarts which is in the northern part of the of the uk maybe there's other people that use other means like, I don't know. I don't think it ever specifically states that the Hogwarts Express is the only way it students It sounds like you do know, James. I think, I think it does. It, I think it does state that somewhere. I don't think it does. <laughs> I think it is well known that the Hogwarts Express is the only route to Hogwarts. It's, very, it's, it's, the, it's the main way that Harry uses, for sure. It's the main okay, way that we talk cool. about. But I don't think it explicitly states that it's the only way to get to Hogwarts. Uh Uh-oh. 
Sarah Day's typing. <laughs> Students must first travel to King's Cross Station. Well, listeners, you can write in and let us know if you have any any evidence, but I firmly believe Hogwarts Express is the only way. I'm not too sure. And my argument is that it lands in Hogsmeade at Hogsmeade Station for them all to group up so that Hagrid can gather all the first years, take them across the lake, and then the others get on a carriage that drive up to uh, that drive up to the castle. If Hogsmeade is the end point, then who's to say that some people who are closer to Hogsmeade than they are to London aren't just going to drop off their kids at, uh, at Hogsmeade and let them wait for the train and then they all go together. And maybe they can flu powder to the Leaky Cauldron and then go to the King's Cross Station. <laughs> That feels just un. That feels unnecessarily. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> that's unnecessarily co- too complex for you to just flu powder. What part of Hogwarts, Hogwarts is not unnecessary? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we'll probably never get an exact answer. I just, in my mind, it doesn't make any sense to take all of the students of the United Kingdom drop them all off at London for them to take a train ride when they're like 50 miles away from Hogsmeade and they can probably just fly there on a broomstick. I understand what you're saying. It is ridiculous, but there are many, many things in this series that are ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) Both perspectives that you have and and they think that you're both right. Way to be bipartisan. (laughs) And be... I just want everyone to be happy. I just want points for Hufflepuff. Of course you do. <laughs> but I, I seriously, like, if you, if listeners, if you do find evidence out there that proves I'm wrong, I want you to explicitly say Hogwarts is Hogwarts Express is the only way to get to Hogwarts. Like, that's, like, the exact thing. It's like, you, you can't be vague and have it be Hogwarts Express is a way to Hogwarts because it's still expresses that there might be other ways there. So I, I'm i banking on the fact that we never explicitly get that singled out at all. That's me banking on that. In my world brain, that's what makes sense. <laughs> oh, I think I just found what I thought I had originally read. Okay. Every year at exactly 11 a.m. on the 1st of September, the famous Hogwarts Express departs from King's Cross Station carrying students to Hogwarts. Yet in a world of port keys and broomsticks, why is such a non-magical form of transport used? We take a look. Um, let me just make sure this isn't too, too long. Um, it is pretty long. So this is on startingharrypotter.com. Why do Hogwarts students get to school by a train? But this, I'm pretty sure, was taken off of Pottermore. And it says the Hogwarts Express wasn't always the way that students would travel to school. In fact, they used to travel in any way they liked. Some chose to ride broomsticks. There were those who enchanted carts and carriages, and some rode to school on a variety of magical creatures. Although these methods were hard to keep secret, and many students were often spotted by muggles. Then the International Statute of Secrecy was brought in. Um, The wizarding world was completely hidden from muggles. Magical methods of transport were tried first but were often found to cause problems port kids didn't work the flu network wasn't secure enough everyone was stumped 
And then Adeline Gamble came up with the solution. She was interested in muggle inventions. After a few magical modifications, the Hogwarts Express appeared. Students could finally travel from one place to the wizarding village of Hogsmeade without being spotted by muggles. And that place was a secret train platform wedged between two muggle ones. Interesting. Still doesn't say it's the only one, though. I don't... uh, How can you not... (laughs) In fact, that just, like, maybe even takes my my theory even a little bit further because it says that they used to do it a lot that doesn't mean that they eliminated it all together there might still be some I people you're just arguing for the sake of arguing that, <laughs> i'm gonna send you this article wait, wait i'm gonna send you this you can read it in full and then we can come back on our next feedback and you can let me know when you agree with me which may never be i don't know <laughs> we need to Put this in a poll. Oh, yeah. There you go. (sighs) Anyway, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) That was fun. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I always like debating with you, James. (laughs) Why, thank you. I try to make it fun. I love sitting here and listening to you to debate. (laughs) (laughs) That sounded very genuine. All right, James, do you have another feedback for us? We do. So, listeners, a little bit of background information. This Mm. was... Speaking of us debating. (laughs) This was a... This one I jumped in on. (laughs) (laughs) This was a thing that we had gotten into in a previous episode. I don't even remember which episode it was. but I don't know if you can even just boil it down to a thing. This is like a world-shattering experience (laughs) that we all went through together. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it was pretty earth shattering for me. That's for sure. Diane from Facebook says on the peony versus peony debate (laughs) as a certified master gardener in the state of Virginia extension program who also grows vintage peonies and rare Japanese tree peonies. (laughs) Peonia su. Basically, it's the Latin Picosa? version of the, the scientific name, it looks like, of, of peony. Look that up, and then you'll see how I struggled. Okay, so the name of the Japanese tree is Gaudiashu. They get as big as 10 feet and are stunning. Those are in quotation marks. It, according to according to Diane, it's, pe- it's pe- peony. peony. The peony pronunciation is a colloquialism and the topic of hot debate too often. I do not mind either iteration, though some fellow master gardeners get nuts over it and are offended by it. There's a whole thread on Instagram, Brandon Talks, discussing the issue. I have nothing else. There you go. I have nothing further to say. <laughs> the master gardener herself. Let let the record note that there is some bias. <laughs> Deanne is the mother of Sarah Day. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) But I'm not saying you guys are wrong either because I'm very well aware now that I've looked into it a little bit and that the way that I say it, though it is not unique because I'm not the only one that says it, uh, it is apparently a variation of hot debate, meaning that there's other people that do say it. It's just because of where people are from. I love the idea of 
how you say that you've been looking into it like in the middle of the night you're like feverishly like <laughs> scrambling across the internet <laughs> finding Mr. whatever you I wrong. do that sometimes I do <laughs> not not just to prove you wrong but because uh-huh. I love soaking up information I am a sponge when it comes to information and I look up the randomest things sometimes and it was like either a day or two after we had had the the conversation where we were trying to figure out which pronunciation was right and I was just like, I can't be the only one that says it. And then I just looked it up and then just like discovered like a whole branch of things. There are other ways to say it, by the way. There, These are not the only two ways that people say it. There are other ways yeah, that people say it. I remember, this. I don't know if you sent us the link or if we talked about it at, on another cast or something, but there are like 10 different ways to say peony. Yeah, which blows my mind. You see it on Facebook all the time, those different – it's like a map of the U.S. And it's how do you say shopping cart? How do you say soda? How do you say, you know, all those different types of things that we say it differently. And like a sneakers versus tennis shoes, re- different regions have different ways to say these items. And, you know, p is just another victim of that, I suppose. A victim. Just like everything else. I found, I'm not going to say it on here. So if, if anybody wants to know what I'm talking about, you can send me a message directly. But I found out this weekend shocking information about what the Brits call whipped cream in a can. Because it's not whipped cream. Oh, <laughs> oh I know that. Okay. Yeah. I, I, did, I did not know that it wasn't called that Can you message me now and I tell me? Like, Excuse me, James. Did you call it this? No. Wait. I didn't. <laughs> I don't know. I, you I, need to tell me somebody. I've always called it whipped cream. I've always called it whipped cream. And then when they told me what it was called in England, I was like, that is not a thing. There, I thought I thought they were pulling my leg. <laughs> yeah. But it's not. They're not pulling my leg. I, that's literally what they call it. And I'm just like, I can't that's live real. with this That's anymore. real information. I'm just like... My British friend said that to me with a straight face this weekend. And I said, what did you just say? And I was like, this is what you've been calling it? And she's like, everybody calls it this. I was like, no. What is happening right now? And she's like, I don't think I can ever say this again with a straight face. I was like, you surely shouldn't. You never should have said this with a straight face. I want I want our listeners to actually yeah. look it up. You all need to go look this up. I don't think it's terrible. It's definitely some, you know, like teenage boy humor though. No, it's pretty bad. The fact that Well, I mean, that's just, it's just the difference yeah. between the two countries. She was and then she was trying to explain to it's, me why they say that. I'm like, "No, I get it. Like I get <laughs> I get where the word came from." <laughs> I just can't believe that everybody says that to each other with a straight face and nobody. She's like, "I've never once thought that in my head about that being like silly and i'm like i i can't believe you have lived decades and never once like nobody around you has ever even giggled at that nobody's even giggled and her husband is american and she was like you've never even giggled and i was like that that is a true test of his strength he is (laughs) such a strong man (laughs) for never even giggling at this (laughs) anyways I saw I, I saw this information on a TikTok. I, I got exposed to this before. because of TikTok. And that's how so I figured out. it out. I found out yesterday. <laughs> Anyways. 
Anyways, thank you for causing havoc with us today. <laughs> Next time, <laughs> we will be discussing Chapter 8, The Death Day Party. And this does not have a companion to the film. So, uh, other than toothpages, but we're going to save that for the following episode. So, James, where can people find you? Good old Instagram and TikTok at James and Beltran. And you can find me, Meegs, mainly on Instagram at M-E-G-A-N underscore L-A-C-H-O-W-S-K-I. Um, and then from there, you can find all of my other projects. And you can find me, Sarah Day, on Instagram at captain.mcd. That's M-C-D-E-E. And you can also find my other projects linked there as well. You can follow the podcast on Instagram and TikTok at Peeves Gabfest. Ickle Firsties, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And please, please, please leave a five-star review. If you're as mischievous as we are, please consider joining our Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Gabfest. If you have any feedback, leave us a voicemail at 409-422-3378. That's 409-GABFEST. Or email us at PiecesGABFEST at gmail.com. That way we can have another feedback episode. <laughs> or you can join our discussion on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Until next time, Ickle Firsties. <laughs>